Hello, everybody, and welcome to the world's favorite youth baseball podcast, Clearing the Bases, featuring Coach Jimmy, Phil, and Jerry. I'm David Friedman. I want to thank you for coming along this journey with us. How are we doing today, Coach? Doing good, Dave. How about you? I am fantastic. Uh, summer season winding down for you? Yeah, we had a practice tonight. Uh, we'll practice again Thursday, and then we have one more tournament, and it'll be a wrap. All right. All right. Good deal. So uh, and then you get what, a uh, day and a half off, and then fall season starts? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to go on vacation. Believe that. I, I, I don't even know what that word means, but uh, <laughs> going to take a week off and go down to uh, Ocean City, New Jersey for a week. Nice. Come back and then, yeah, then I'll probably get going on. <laughs> yep. Then we hit it up again. All right, cool. Good deal. Good deal. Um, so we'll get into, I uh, think on another time, maybe we'll do some uh, look back and uh, reflections on the season that was for you and talk about some of the things that uh, that you learned as a, as a coach. I think we're always in a position to learn new things as we go along here. Um, yeah. I think but, that's the uh, goal, right? Yeah, yeah, it should be. So. I want to start this show off a little differently. So um, when last we met, we were talking about competition and competitiveness. And a couple of things came up over a couple of weeks that the Olympics were going on, which just finished up this, uh, this past weekend. Uh, a couple of topics that came up and I wanted to throw them out there at you. And obviously not youth, youth baseball related, but sports related and certainly uh, competition wise. And uh, I wanted to see, Kind of what you thought of them, and if you had any thoughts on them, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna go with this. So, just so everybody knows, it's not something that we rehearsed ahead of time. I told Jimmy I had a curveball <laughs> to throw at him, and this is this is just something I've been thinking about, and and I wanted to kind of talk about and, and get your feelings on it. So, uh, well, three. Well, wait a second, though. Before you go with the question, I got to step out of the batter's box. I got to take a deep <laughs> breath. You know, I've got to do my focus. Yep. And then I have to get back in the batter's box because, right. you know, I want to make sure I'm ready for this. Tighten up your, tighten up your batting gloves and uh, let's, let's, <laughs> let's still, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing them. So, all right. So the first one is one I'm sure that you absolutely heard of because everybody in the world found out about this. So uh, Simone Biles. All right. Yeah. So she is the superstar gymnast, ridiculous number of gold medals and accolades through the years. She is the best of the best. And so she hit a point this Olympics where she was competing, had a rough go of it one day and decided to pull herself out. And there was pretty quickly a, a pretty distinct line of people that were either talking about how, uh, how great it was that she recognized that she was struggling and she pulled herself out. So somebody else from the team, one of the alternates could get in and, uh, and, and compete. And then there was the other line seemed like there was another hard line of people that thought it was ridiculous that she trained for all this. And then she just basically quit was the terminology. Not my views. Don't no angry letters and, <laughs> and, and emails, but no, no tweets, but just kind of wanted to see what you felt about how she, how she handled her situation. Well, first of all, I believe it or not, I, I didn't do much reading about it. Yes. I heard about it and I, I knew what was going on. The first thing that comes to mind with that is, you know, we can all talk about it. You know, it was a good thing. It was a bad thing. But do we really know what the reason was behind her backing out? I find it hard to believe that a world-class athlete like that 
backed out only because she had a bad performance. I find that very hard to believe. These people are mentally trained, physically trained. They're at the top of their game. They're, you know, like I said, world-class athletes. So it's hard for me to say whether she quit or she removed herself for the right reasons, because I don't think any of us really know why she backed out. Yeah, I, I, I feel very much the same way that you do on that. If she didn't have the history that she had, uh, like I said, I mean, she, she's, she's got between Olympics and world championships and whatever else. I mean, she's got enough metal to probably melt down and make a brand new car. seems like there had to be a lot extra going on there with her. And even if, and if it's probably mentally is what it seems like most of the reports are. And that's the thing where, uh, you know, on some level, it's who am I to judge? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a sub schmo that played a low level of, baseball 30 years ago and you know she, <laughs> she's uh, at, the, at the absolute best of the best you know and, and i i have to admit my initial reaction was not favorable and and uh you know my gut reaction on it was that's kind of like that's ridiculous and then you take a step back and like so this is somebody who has this incredible track record of performing at the highest level it, it couldn't just be that she didn't feel like she was she, she still won the American competition to be on the team. So yes. it's not like she's washed up or anything like that, where like, oh, she had a bad performance. If she couldn't win gold, she was just going to quit. And you look at the things that she does um, on the floor exercises, on the, uh, on the, 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 the vault. And that, like, if she's yeah. not, if there's something that's going on with her physically or mentally, if she's just makes a slight mistake, the power that she jumps and the height that she gets on her routines and whatnot, you know, oh, I mean, she right, could right, right. seriously injure herself. So right. that's where I, I was pretty much along the lines of what you were ultimately, but I, I mm. not proud to admit it, but my, my gut reaction was, was, was a, a little harsh. Yeah. Well, what, what I'll say is this, you know, in, in the world of social media now, everybody is quick, you know, to make a rush to judgment right off the bat. What she did was right. What she did was wrong. Everybody wants to, you know, put their two cents in. I don't necessarily go by that. I mean, I want to, I, I want more information basically is what it comes down to is there's got to, to me, it seems there's got to be more to what we know. I don't know enough about it to be able to say, you know, this was the reason or that none, none of us know. I don't think anybody right. really knows the main reason. This is what they said was the reason. So I just find it very hard to believe that a world-class athlete had a bad performance and said, that's it. I quit. Uh, right. Yeah. And taking my ball and going home seems very unlikely. Right. So, and she was still out there cheering her team on. She was, she had the biggest smile on her face when people on her team won medals and, and whatnot. So uh, that, that's the other thing is uh, I, I definitely give her um, a hell of a lot of credit. If it was a situation where I think she was just pulling herself out because she wasn't, she wasn't sure if she could win. I think she would have been on a plane and out of there. Uh, but she stayed and, and she was a great, she was a great teammate. So that, right. uh, that's, you know, that goes really far. I was just going to say, and that's awesome. You know, when somebody could do that, you know, I just, it's funny you say that because I just heard a, a story and I'm not sure if I, if I got it right, but it was, I think it was a girl softball player that 
whatever happened, she got pulled out of the game. She was, you know, one of the best players on the team and she got pulled out of the game and she was in the dugout and she was doing, you know, a very similar thing where she was, you know, up on the rail, she was cheering her team and, you know, into the game just as if she was in it. And, you know, these are things that we try to instill in our youth players that it's, it's, it's a tough thing. And when you see that people do get it, you know, it, it makes me feel that, you know, there, there is still hope that we can train our young kids to understand that, hey, it's about the team and, you know, you support your team regardless of what's going on. Right, right, right. So, you know, the team comes before the individual at all times. It's it's tough to get kids to do that. So, again, there's a situation a girl, a player who's very much uh, used to being a superstar, used to being at the top of her game, and instead of sitting there and sulking, supporting the team and doing, you know, you contribute one way or the other is really what sure. it boils down to. You know? Absolutely. And that's, that's fantastic. So, so these, these topics are going to go in order of probably notoriety. So that was a topic. Again, I think people in well, Saskatoon heard of Simone Biles. So, well, wait a minute, before you go on, did I foul it off? Did I put it in play or was it a strike? Well, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think it, it was a that was a solid uh, that was a solid single up the middle. Might have been able to nice. stretch into a uh, stretch into a double <laughs> on that one. We'll see. You know, if the if the center fielder was a little lackadaisical. So, all right. So that's that's the first one. So the next one again, uh, Olympic topic. So I'm th- not sure if you would have heard of this one. So uh, the high jump finals. Did you hear what happened with that? I didn't. Okay. So basically, it boiled down to uh, there was. Two jumpers that were left. Uh, I'm probably going to absolutely butcher these names, but uh, first one, this is in the men's high jump. The first one was from uh, the country of Qatar, and his last name is Barsham. Okay. And uh, the other one is from Italy, and that was uh, Timberi. So what happened was, so they were jumping, and they both made, uh, so they both made the last height, whatever it was, and then they both went to the next height and both missed. And what they then they came out and I guess the the options at that point were to keep going until somebody wins, which is what I think everybody would expect to happen. And I, I'm not sure exactly what the situation is with this. I'm, I will freely admit I'm not the world's biggest uh, high jump aficionado. <laughs> uh, so they wound what they wound up doing, make a long story short was they wound up, instead of doing a jump off, a final jump off to try to clear that next height, they split the goal. Ooh. Yeah. So a little bit different take on this one. So a little bit of background for you, just so you know. So apparently these two have been two of the best for a number of years. Uh, they have competed against each other multiple times. They've gotten to know each other and have become very friendly. Apparently they've been two of the, you know, the best or two, the, the two best for some time. All that being said, they decided to, I'm going to use the word settle for a draw. So they each got the gold and then the third place person was just the bronze. And that is how it goes in the official record book. Thoughts? Wow. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) I don't agree with it. I'll tell you that. I wish I knew what the tiebreaker rules used to be for the high jump, because that would, you know, I'm sure that, I mean, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time that there were, they did this. 
Yes, yes. It, it, I didn't hear of any, uh, and I didn't do a deep dive into it. I, I did a, a casual dive into it, um, but uh, I do not believe that there was anything like this again. Uh, one thing, again, that I, I felt was very interesting was, so now this is uh, in, in the Olympics, it's all metric system. So they were, forgive me, I might be wrong in this, but I'm going to say it was 2.9 uh, meters was where they both missed that. They both made 2.7. So as a schmo that doesn't know anything about this, of course, I go, well, seems to be a logical place to go. And let's put it at 2.8 and see what happens. Uh, but I'm not sure if that's what it would have been, or they would have gone back to 2.9, or they would have gone back to 2.7 and see if they still made it. But there, there was, there, there obviously, we don't hear of this ever happening. So there obviously is some format for nor quote unquote normally being able to decide these things. And they didn't, it's not like they went through five different rounds and it was still a draw. Right. Uh, they both missed, I think they get three chances. They both missed their three shots and that was it. That was it. Yeah. This, this kind of ties into our last show about, you know, being competitive. I could tell you this. I, I, I wouldn't have been happy. I would have, I would have rather fight it out. And if I wound up with the silver, I wound up with the silver, whatever, but at least be competitive and try it and, and have a definitive outcome. You know, it's that, that, that seems to me is that everybody gets a trophy mentality. Well, you both couldn't do it. So we'll just give you both a goal. Well, no, I agree with you. Let's, let's set it at 2.8 and see who can do what here. And then we'll, you know, we'll fight it out until there's a winner and a loser. Yeah, it's it just, it seemed like such an odd concept. And even, um, it was weird because I, I wound up watching it when that was happening and I couldn't believe it when all of a sudden they just, they just started jumping up and down and, you know, they, they, they embraced each other. And I mean, on the one hand, it was great. And they were talking about the massive sportsmanship uh, between the two of these guys. And yeah, I, I, I can see that, but yeah, I, I, you want to be the best of the best. You can't walk. You can't both walk away with with a gold medal. I, I don't. Well, I, I well, don't get it. You know, you're saying that they were talking about sportsmanship. Okay. Well, it's really easy to be a good sportsman when you both got the gold. You know, yeah. hey, I got yeah. one. You got one. Hey, this is my buddy. Yeah, this is great. You did a great job. All right. Sportsmanship would have been, in my opinion, you know, fight it out. And the guy who gets the silver congratulating the guy who got the gold and said, you were a better man today. And that's sportsmanship. Right. You know, I'm not upset. We duped it out and this was the outcome. Right. Today was your better day. Maybe next time will be my better day. That, that's how sports works. Right. Sure. Uh, you know, absolutely. That's what I say. You know, the, the better team against the weaker team, maybe it's 99 out of a hundred, but there is, there's always that one day that the, that, you know, that, best pitcher in the league has an off day or whatever, um, or vice versa on the other team. Some kid has the best day of his life and yeah. goes four for four and, and just, you know, knocks all the, gets all their RBIs. Or whatever. So um, yeah, it, it seemed peculiar. Definitely. Um, I, I don't, I don't have any hate for him. I'm not going to go on Twitter and start bashing anybody. That's not my personality. I find it very odd. And I, I don't like that they were sort of held out as, examples of what to do because i i think that flies in the face of sports um yeah i mean that's, actually that's really you you know you can look at it two ways really nobody won correct that's i mean that's the so way that's I what it. i was thinking 
if, if they want to do that, then they should both be silver medal winners. Exactly. There you go. If, if you really look at it, you know, that way, because how can you have two gold medal winners? Right. You know, the, the World Series can't end with both guys, with both teams <laughs> getting the rings, you know, right. hockey, whatever example you want to give. It, it, it doesn't work that way. So, uh, yeah, I, I found that I found that interesting, but uh, just a, a different topic. So, OK. And and then so what do you think now? Which, does okay. does that mean I'm two for two now? Yeah, that that one. All right, yeah. And that was that was, uh, you know, that was a sol- solid double off the wall. So, um, wow, you're, you're good on that. That one. That one was good. All right. So this one's really going to throw. I'm, I'm certain that you never heard of this. And this definitely goes into a different uh, a different direction. And, and I don't want to make this. Uh, political. Uh, our, our podcast obviously is is far from from political. It's going to get into it a little bit, but I want to do it from a sport, just purely sports point of view. So uh, in judo, okay. Again, I'm going to assume you didn't hear anything about the judo competition. Of the, I the did Olympics. not. <laughs> okay. All right. So at definitely one and possibly two competitors decided. They were in, they were qualified. The one even weighed in for their meet and decided not to go out and forfeit their meet. They were both against the same competitor. Okay. I'm not going to give their names because quite frankly, I don't think that they deserved it. Not that they're going to be listening to uh, our (laughs) basis podcast, but who knows? Uh, But I will give the name of the other competitor because he was a competitor. So I'm going to butcher it a little. So, there was a, uh, a, a gentleman from Israel, uh, Tohar Butubol, uh, Butubol, I think is, is the last name. So both of these competitors declined to face him. The first one stated, absolute, stated the reason was in solidarity with Palestine because this person is from this, this uh, judoku, I think they call them. The competitors are called judokus. This person is from Israel, and this person was not from Palestine, was not from there, but in support of the Palestinians, he refused to face this Israeli competitor. Uh, the second person who weighed in and then actually wasn't even supposed to face this person was facing somebody, and the winner would then face okay. uh, uh, to- Tohar. He weighed in for his meet and left. And and never never came out, never gave an explanation. The assumption was it was for the same thing. I'll, again, I'm not announcing his name, uh, not giving him any any. I'm not saying that's definitely what it is, but the first person it absolutely was. You are at the Olympics. You are going against the best of the best. As far as I know, there's no. I mean, obviously, there's like UFC and Pride fighting and things like that, but there's no judo specific professional league somewhere where you can go to. So. The Olympics is probably it as far as, you know, truly the the best of the best. Um, You train for your whole life, whatnot, and you decide to walk away. Somehow that's sending a message against Israel because you didn't face this one person. Well, okay. So obviously he felt that his political views were more important than him competing. The only thing I could say there is that's his opinion. That's his view. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know what else right. to say. That's, so, right. So again, so getting away you, from the, from the political side though, but could you, so, I mean, from the political side, I, I also, I, I think it's ridiculous because even if that is your view, what would be a better 
But what would be a better thing than to beat that guy? Yeah, good point. Okay, if that's really, I know it's also. Hey, you look at you know every every country. I mean, there's there's people from the worst dictators in the in the world that they send their uh, athletes to to the games. I mean, that's, that's what this is supposed to be about is the competition between the athletes and not the politics of it. Right. right? This is just, this is just some schmo who happens to have been from Israel. <laughs> right. That you're you're, you're going to take his opportunity away from competing. Now he got a forfeit and moved on to the next round, but nobody wants to win that. Right. Right. Certainly I, I mean, level. The, the only thing I could say, you know, as far as that goes, I think it's, it's ridiculous to, not, you know, to put in all of that effort and all of that training and all of that stuff and not go out and see, you know, bear the fruits of your, your, you know, your hard work. It, it just seems silly to me, but, and, and I'm just going to make this just one quick statement as far as, you know, politics with sports. And it's very simple. I just believe that politics have no place in sports because you're alien, no matter what your view is, you're going to alienate, let's say, you know, 50% of the people. So, you know, why take a stand? You want, you know, all of the people to be involved, you know, whatever they're, they're, they're fans, spectators, whatever they are. I would think that you would want everybody involved. So, you know, kind of keep your political views to yourself, whatever they are. And I don't care what they are, because you're going to alienate certain people. And why? What, what is the purpose? Right. And, and it even I see, that's where I, I just, I just say, you know, if, if you, if this other person felt so strongly against, you know, Israel and in solidarity with Palestine, that's still, so talk about it afterwards. Sure. You want to talk about it beforehand. You want to talk about it afterwards, have at it, but to again, cause yourself the opportunity to compete and to cause the other person, the opportunity to compete who has may have absolutely nothing to do with anything that's going on there is just, I just, it, it, that was amazing. It was a, a shocking, shocking story to me. And I just, yeah, like know, I, I said, I if, couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like I said, if, if, if it comes down to anything, I mean, you, how long do um, Olympic athletes have to train? I mean, it's years of hard work training to try and prove that you're the best in the world. And then to go there and say, you know what? I don't like what color his hair is. I'm done, you know, and yeah. walk away. It's, it's, I don't know. To me, it's silly, and, but. And think about it. You double down on that this year because these guys were supposed to be competing last year. Remember, they got pushed off. Right. Year. So right. you want to talk about, you know, the heartache and the, you know, the, the, the mental and emotional toll that that had to take on these people, uh, on all of these guys. Uh, the fact that they were able to come out and, and still perform at such a super high level as they did and all the world records that were broken in all the different in the swimming sports and the track and field sure. events and all that stuff. You know, I, I, I just I, I think it's amazing. I don't care what country you're from. Uh, but, yeah, that was just so. So that was so that was three stories that I thought we could relate to our, our most recent topic of the competitiveness. And, and, and are you a, again, I think that last one, it, it certainly it, it muddies the waters, but I, I still feel like that falls under that whole convenient competitor situation of if you're going to take yourself out for, for those reasons, it, it seems, I don't know, that, that, that seems like, um, it seems like the coward's way out to me uh, that, you know, I, cause I have, I, I have to think, was he concerned that he was going to lose and then that would somehow uh, support Israel or whatever, when nobody in the world was thinking that nobody. Right. right. You know, so it's, um, 
you know, again, it's it's just th- these are the kind of things in today's world of sports that I just don't understand. I, I really don't. You know, you, you're, it's a competition. Again, like we said a million times, go out and compete. Whatever happens, happens. Do the best you can. You know, I mean, to have these reasons is, I don't know, it's silly, but that's my take. That's it. Okay, that's good. That's good. And I, I, like I said, I did not want that to go into a, any other directions. Um, you know, this was this was not trying yeah. to get you or myself in any hot water with anybody on any side. I'm not weighing in, you know, either way on that. But, um, but that's the whole point. The, this, this is not right. This is not the place for it. That's right. That's the whole point. Yes. So. I don't know. So did I score any runs? What did I do here? How did I wind yeah, up? Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think you, uh, you, did a, you did a fantastic job. Solid three for three day. And uh, wow. and and I think you can, uh, you know what, kid, go hit the showers. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> we still have the rest of the show to do here. Yeah. Wait a minute. What the hell am I saying? <laughs> so, all right. So uh, that's a little sidetrack for those of you. If you didn't find it interesting and it wasn't on the topic that you're used to talking about here on clearing the bases as far as uh, youth baseball goes. Uh, I apologize and uh, not in advance because we're, we're done with it, but um, you know what? I'd like to mix some things up, keep you, keep you guessing as to what we're going to be talking about last time. But again, it, it really all boils down to just, it was, it just happened to be right on point with what our last topic was. And I uh, felt that it was, uh, it could be an interesting conversation to do. And I, I, again, I think, I think you did a great job with those, Jim. I'm feeling good. Good, good, good. All right. So let's talk some baseball. What do you there say? There you go. There you go. All right. All right. So, uh, again, want to thank everybody for coming along this ride with us. Uh, the response to our shows has been fantastic. Uh, we are growing in listeners every week and could not do it without you guys. Rate, review, give us five stars on your Apple Podcasts, on your Spotify send it out to a friend. We really appreciate it. It's how this thing keeps working and let's just keep building it up bigger and bigger. All right. So, um, so our topic du jour, uh, that we're going to talk about something that we've, uh, I don't know if we've really talked about it. We definitely haven't talked about it directly. It maybe has, has sort of come up in some of our conversations, but it's something that I think is, is important and it's, it, it could be another interesting topic and it is actually baseball related. And that has to do with, you know, we talk about, we've talked about coaching the coaches and practicing and getting the kids to buy into our methodologies and um, into the program and supporting the team and all that. Uh, So one of the things in that, on that kind of line of thinking is how much coaching should we and do we do during the game, during the game itself? So we have our practices, we have our games, and how much actual coaching should we be doing during the games? So what I'll say with that is very, and it also depends what type of coaching you're talking about, because my feeling is during the game, you're doing very little, if any, coaching. I take the the view that this is the stage where the players get to show get, uh, I shouldn't say the players where I actually get to see if what I'm doing in practice is, is working. So it's go out there, do your thing. You know, I'm going to pay attention to what's going on, but there's no 
coaching, so to speak, other than a player misses a cutoff. I, I seem to always go to cutoffs. I want to think of a different example. I don't know. A player misses a sign. You know, after the, I wouldn't say a word, but after the inning, you know, I will take him on the side, you know, in just quick two seconds. Hey, bud, you know, you missed a sign. Come on, let's stay focused. That type of coaching I will do during a game. But as far as I, I believe what, what you're trying to get to is coaching from the dugout where, you know, ground balls hit to your shortstop and you're yelling out of the dugout, three, 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 or two, 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 or whatever you're yelling. No, no, that should never happen. No, you're confusing the kid. All right. So, and I know that that see at this level, um, at the level that you coach at, again, it's a high level travel team and then JV uh, for a, for a private school for a very competitive team. And that does seem to be the overwhelming um, philosophy is basically practices for practice games are for, are for seeing, you know, let's implement what we learned in practice and then afterwards kind of re, re, regroup and then talk about what happened during the game and, and work on strengthening our weaknesses and, and whatnot. Um, so my take is, is a little different. Now, this year was the first time that I coached at the high school level. Uh, I had coached in certainly little league, age, late, uh, little league age and a little bit higher in terms of travel ball and uh, all-stars and things like that. Uh, up into the low teens, uh, teenage years for, for my boys. But um, I've always felt like I had, if I wasn't coaching from the dugout, then I wasn't, then I wasn't doing my job as a coach. Um, not necessarily like the, the, and I know it was only one example that you gave, but not, not, exa- not necessarily with that example, because that's, that's kind of too late. I, I don't think I would be, I'm not yelling as the ball's getting hit to the kid. I'm not yelling what base to throw to. Yeah, no, I that I absolutely understand and and I agree with for for the most part. You need to let the 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 kids tell each other, or the kids obviously should be mentally prepared before that ball is hit to know if it's hit to my left, I'm going one way. If it's hit to my right, I'm going the other way. What have you? Um, but I'm even talking about talking about things like. Um, Pitcher with the pitchers, that was a big thing uh, in the spring ball for for us this season, where we had some pitchers that were struggling with some of their mechanics. And uh, again, I was the assistant coach. The head coach's philosophy was: you can't really work, you know, not you can't really, you can't work on it during the game. Got to let them try to figure it out, and then if not, we're just we're just pulling them. And that was something that I I just disagree with from the standpoint. A, I never want that kid to feel like he's just left on an island uh, because we they are still kids, right? Um, 13, 14 years old. I think pretty much my whole team was uh, was 13, 14, maybe a 15 or year old or two in there. But they are still kids. Um, if I can see that they're just not striding, they're not going down the hill, right? They're not striding down the mound the way that they should be, and they're short-stepping it. That's something that I feel like you can talk about in the middle, not in the middle of a pitch, obviously, but in the in between batters, maybe that is something that you can throw out there. Hey, watch your front foot, you know, something along that line. Same thing at the plate. If a kid is pulling his head out, if a kid is, um, you know, just a, a very basic correction, um, I, I not only do I not see an issue with it, like I said, I, I feel like that's what I'm there for is is to help with that stuff. And the idea of, in those instances of kind of confusing the kid or giving him too much to think about or blah, 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 like, well, if what he's doing isn't working, 
then how much worse it, how much worse is it going to be at that point well i'm i'm going to i'm going to disagree with you there okay and i i don't see a problem with when maybe i i i'm being quite honest with you i i wouldn't do mm-hmm. this but i don't see a problem with and, and for for the record i assume that we were going to be on different sides of the of the fence on this one so this don't you're not going to hurt my feelings no no no, 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 is, no yeah this is this is one i i knew from other conversations that we've had off air that worked pretty well where you stood i don't believe and we'll use the same example with pitchers i want him thinking about only what he's supposed to be thinking about. I don't want him thinking anything mechanical when he's pitching at all. To me, that's a recipe for disaster. So, um, you know, again, that's somewhere where where we're going to disagree. I don't think that you should be coaching mechanics, any, any position, pitching, hitting, catching, whatever during, during the game. I think that you should make note of what's going on, what's, what they're doing wrong. And then in practice, work on it and straighten it out there because you're only going to confuse the kid because now his mind is on his stride. That's not where I want him. I want him figuring out how he's setting his batter up and how he's going to get him out. That's what he should be thinking. You know, there's going to be days where things are off. You've you've probably seen it. You know, this is off or that is off. Yeah, sure. I want him to try and figure out, you know, hey, look, I don't I don't have whatever. I don't have velocity today. You know, why is my velocity down? You know, what can I do to whatever? That's him. I want him to do that, make that adjustment. That's something that I will say from the dugout. Every, Come on, let's make an adjustment. Let's go. But I will not try and correct what he's doing. Right. And like I said, I, I definitely seem to be in the minority out of the people that I've talked to about it. I actually did get um, into, I don't want to say like I got into it with a guy, but I, I had a believe it or not, a nice civil conversation with somebody on Twitter on, on this topic whose um, philosophy sounded like it was it was closer to mine. Uh, it, it's just, and, and maybe it's part of my my personality of being a know-it-all and just having to, <laughs> having to let everybody know how much I know, um, even when I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I just, I really... The, the other side of that was, and I'm sure it was worse this year. We've, we've talked about it a, a little bit, but it was also worse this year because, because of COVID, because our schedule was compressed and we tried to get basically the normal number of games in, uh, on a, in a much smaller season. So our practice time was so much less than our game time. And when you've got your 14, 15 players, and you're trying to, as we've talked about before, you're trying to keep everybody interested and keep everybody moving and being able to keep an eye on everybody. We were having trouble on our team, and there was three of us there as coaches trying to find those opportunities to really work with somebody on the side, on their form or whatnot, A, just because of time, and then B, especially with with pitching, it boiled down to with the way our schedule was, is everybody had either just pitched or they were about to pitch and how much of a bullpen session could you have uh, right. on your day off to work on that stuff? Right. So let- that was the other thing doubling down on where I felt it really could have been, I could be hundred percent wrong, but it really could have been beneficial to be a little more uh, outspoken, a little more directive during the game. 
but I'm going to ask you a question. So, and because I, I understand what you're saying, I, I deal with the same thing. Do you think that during that game, when you're telling him, you know, whatever you, you, you know, you're blowing open or whatever, do you think that you're going to be able to fix it? You're not. It's, it's, well, you're just not going just, to in that moment. Well, you just asked me a question and an answer for me. So I, couldn't I will help tell it. you. <laughs> I couldn't help it. So, so I'm not sure where you stand on this stuff. <laughs> so um, so the, the answer is, am I going to be able to correct it? I'm, we're not going to be able to get it to an ideal spot, but can we get it better than, what it, than what's going on? Can we get it to where it's functional and is now, you know, I don't know, less bad, if, if you want to say that? Absolutely. And that's, and, and, and I've, I've seen that with the younger kids that I've coached when I was coaching younger kids, little league age kids. Uh, I did it all the time. And that's, it's basically what I was known for. And I, I'm sure I know I had parents that would request me to be their kids coach because of that. And there, I probably, I never heard this, but I'm sure I had parents who didn't want me, <laughs> didn't right. want me to be their kids coach because that's the way I did. But um I just know in the instances where I wasn't coaching my kid and, and, and I'll say this flat out for all those listening who are not necessarily coaches or are not coaching their kid. I never did it from the stands. I will tell you that 100%. I never coached from the stands. Okay. Um, in fact, 99% of the time I wouldn't be in the stands. If, if I, if I wasn't the coach of my kid's team, I was out at the outfield fence uh, because I'm constantly making comments and I don't want anybody else to hear them. Uh, I'm only making them for my, at that point, I'm only making them for myself. Uh, but back to being on point with, if I was coaching on a team where I wasn't the head coach and the head coach wasn't doing what they were, what I felt they were supposed to be doing either because they didn't know, or they just had the more uh, hands off during the game philosophy. Um, you know, I was always very uncomfortable with that because again, I, I, I would just, to me, repeating myself, but I felt like I was just leaving the kid out, hung out to dry. You got a, a ten, you know, a ten-year-old or something like that, and and it was just, I just don't, I didn't, I didn't get that. Well, uh, one thing I will say that, and I'll, I'll use this example again because we're talking about pitching. I may say to him, you know, make sure you, you know, make sure you you're you're leading with your front pocket. Okay, because that's something that I teach when we're training. Okay, so I teach them to lead with their front pocket towards the catcher. It's kind of hard to understand, but my guys know what it means. Right. So, right, it's basically yeah, going with yeah, your yeah. hip towards towards the catcher. See, I know. So it's it's a cue that I use that I may say, "Hey, come on, lead with you know, lead with your front pocket." He knows what I mean, and that's it. I won't go any further than that. But it's something that we had trained that way. He knows what that cue means. And maybe I'm helping him by reminding him, Hey, this is, you know, what we worked on or whatever. But as far as to, like I said, get very mechanical, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea because again, those are things you don't want him thinking about during a game. It's the same thing. Like when I was saying about, you know, when, when a ground ball is hit and something comes to mind because I had an assistant coach that did this and we had a nice long talk after the game about it. 
there was a slow roller hit to third my third baseman. My catch is yelling, and I don't remember. I'll just say my catch is yelling two two two, and the assistant coach is yelling one one one. Now that kid has no idea where to throw the ball. So, you know, we had a conversation about it. I told him. I said no. I said let them make their mistakes or whatever. But the catcher's calling the game and not you. So right. And that, that, that I agree with that I agree with 100 percent We're training these kids to take charge, especially your catcher, your catcher, your shortstop, your center fielder, right? We're training these kids to take charge of the sure. game. We are we're hammering that down in them. So then we can't, we then can't pull that away from them in the heat of, in the heat of the moment. No, I, I I agree with that. Like I said, that that's not the the aspect that I was ever uh looking at although sometimes it's very difficult for me to keep my mouth shut when that's when that <laughs> stuff is is going on but i i managed to i think i managed to uh most if not all of the time um so some, something that you something that you said is something that i want to touch on on this topic where you said that maybe some parents wanted you to coach their kid and uh, maybe other parents didn't be, because of you know because of that type of coaching Parents sometimes will look at coaches that they're not doing their job if they're not coaching from the dugout because they don't understand that that's, in my opinion, not how you coach. Your coaching is done at practice. So parents need to understand that also that, again, and this is not a knock on your theory and, and, and your approach, but parents may not know better that that's not what you're supposed to be doing. So they they look at it like we want the coach, you know, oh, look at my coach. He's he's helping my kid. Well, no, he's really not. He's actually hurting him because now the kid is relying on whatever the coach is telling him instead of thinking for himself and and becoming better that way. Right. I get I I I get I get where you're coming from on that. And I'm sure Again, maybe as I coach at this level and at this high, you know, older age a little bit more, maybe those feelings will go away uh, from me. Probably not in in their entirety, um, but you know, maybe maybe I'll have a shift in philosophy. But just, I mean, what I saw this year definitely did not change. I didn't do it because that's not what my head coach wanted to do, and he's the boss. Um, so I, I, I wasn't doing, I kept it to an absolute minimum. Um, but I, yeah, it, it's that I definitely was, it was a battle for me, uh, as I said, to, to not throw those little tidbits out here and there. And I'm not talking about, you know, if there's a major mechanical issue where a kid was about to do, you know, was throwing in such a way that I think he was going to pop his elbow out of joint or whatever, obviously that's a different situation. And I'm sure you jump in on, on something like that too. Nobody's going to let a kid just go and hurt themselves, physically hurt themselves. But um, yeah, no, I, I just, I, I, I definitely have a hard time with that. Maybe that is still the, the younger kid, the, the little league mentality that I need to get out of to, to be a successful coach at this level. I, I don't know, but I just, but, um, I, I didn't see anything this year that changed my philosophy after going through uh you know, almost a 20 game season and, and whatnot. Well, here, here, here's the thing. Once again, this, this is my take on this. I believe that if coaches understood not to do this at the younger ages, then it would, because I, 
I, I don't think it would carry on. And, and and what I'm getting at is you're seeing what you're seeing because the kids were not properly trained prior to getting to you at that JV level. And I see that also. I see that a lot. So they're looking at the coach to tell them things that I always understood that I, I look at that, that they should have known already. Am I making sense? I mean, I know I'm kind of rambling. Yeah, no, I, I, no, no, no. I, I, I think I, I think I understand what you're saying because they've either, uh, they either weren't coached the right, I hate to say the right way. I don't want to take anything away from the people that volunteered their time and spent the hours and hours with them, but they either maybe if they were set up, if they were always coached that way, then they're always going to continually to look to the coach to exactly, you know, to yes. or if they just, you know, they just weren't instructed necessarily the quote unquote right way or, or pro- proper way from the get go. Even if the coach wasn't coaching from the dugout, maybe the coach didn't, couldn't recognize whatever coach I had couldn't recognize that their mechanics were flawed. So they were able to just, you know, when they're, if you're doing something wrong 500 times in the gym, guess what? You get out on the field. Obviously you're going to do it wrong again because your muscle memory is now built up with the wrong mechanic. So uh, yeah. So I guess either one of those situations. And and, and another quick, quick story. And this, this happened two weekends ago. I was at a game coaching third base foul ball was hit over to where the parents were. So it was a dad and he grabbed the ball and, you know, he flipped it back to me and I, I threw it back in. And I don't remember somebody had called timeout. So the, the parent said to me, Hey coach, he said, I want to, I want to commend you on, on your team. He said, you know, you're only one coach. Cause I, I don't have an assistant coach with my, my travel team this year. I get guys here and there, but for the most part, I don't have a full-time assistant. And he said, your boys are in the dugout by themselves. He said, they're calm. They're, you know, they're, they're behaving the way they should be. And you're coaching them on the field. He said, I don't hear you giving any type of instruction or anything like that. Meanwhile, his team had, I don't even know, three or four coaches. And that's all you heard all game long. First of all, the kids were all over the dugout and the coaches were yelling from the dugout. Hey, you know, uh, you know, throw the second, do this, do that. That was, to me, that was a great compliment. It goes to my point that all of that stuff that he was talking about, I achieved that at practice. I don't, there's no way I'm going to make that happen during a game. So when you go out there and you, when you're playing the game, go out there, do your thing, and we'll talk about it after the game and then we'll work on it in practice. I get that. And that, that's a great, that's a great testament to what you've, been able to instill in them up to this up to this point so i mean there's definitely yeah i mean and and i've 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 seen teams that had that not i don't know if i saw any of that this year but i've definitely have seen before where the same kid is getting kind of two different things told to him at the same time by two different coaches and things like that so that's where no it's 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 not like i believe it should be a free-for-all and just um you know, uh, constantly running your mouth out there. It's more of just, um, I don't even want well, to say it's on a on occasion though. Cause I do, I, I, I do think it could be more often than not. And I guess it also depends on the level of like, the quality of the players that you, that you have there and what level they're at and, and sure. how disciplined, how disciplined you've helped to get them, I guess. And one, one of the things too, that you just said that, that I believe 100% is one voice 
from, you know, from coaches. In other words, if you have three coaches, well, one guy is talking to the pitcher and only that guy is talking to the pitcher in between innings. One guy is talking to the hitters and that's it. You don't want, you know, two or three different coaches telling the hitter what to do. One guy. And then maybe another guy is working on it on, on the defense. So if there's an issue on the defense, they come in and he handles that one voice. It has to be that way. Because again, we go, if it's not, we go back to that confusion thing where, Hey, you know, coach Joe just told me, uh, you know, whatever, get my front foot down early. Uh, coach Pete just told me I'm dropping my hands. Not a kid is up there. He has no idea what he's doing. So it has to be one voice. Yeah, no, no, no. That that is is absolute, um, and that was something I constantly, uh, constantly kept myself in check. Uh, in fact, more often than not, if there was something that I wanted to yell to the kids, I would say it to the head coach, and he would either say it. You know, most of the time, he would he would he would say it out to him, or he would tell me, "Go ahead and say it." Even even something as simple as positioning the outfielders or whatever, because I would never want to get into a situation where I'm saying, "Hey, three steps to the glove side," and he yells out, three steps to the to the freehand <laughs> side." Uh, so yeah, no, 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 obviously, you know, there, there's there's certainly some overkill that that comes with that. I don't want to give the wrong impression. I'm not not. I'm constantly moving during the game. I never sit down. I know I don't sit on the bench. I don't sit on the, the ball bucket. I have to be moving. That's just some of my, uh, my OCD and my, uh, my ADD that kicks in with that stuff. But uh, <laughs> that's interesting yeah. too, because I don't think that I sit down at, uh, during practice or a game. You will never see me sitting down. I yeah. never sat on a bucket. Never. No, I, and, I, I, I can't do it. And that was something I, I learned from again, from another coach, it was probably a college coach years, I mean, years ago that, and this may be true, this may be, may not be, but I bought into it where he felt that if a coach was sitting, like if you're sitting on a bucket, soft tossing to your, your team, what message does that send? You're sitting on your butt and you're telling them you want them to hustle this, that, and you know, the other thing, meanwhile, you're sitting on a bucket. No. If 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 we're pra- we're at practice and I need to talk to my center fielder, I run out to center field because that's what I expect my players to do. And I, you know, hey, you know, do this, do that, and then I'll run back to the dugout. And then you grab your chest and uh, wheeze well, over in the corner. But you know, but exactly. <laughs> but I still do it. <laughs> right, right. Now, so that you know, that's 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 great. I mean, obviously, we talked a ton of times about setting examples and and things like that. But yeah, no, I. I I absolutely believe in that and making sure that the kids understand. And, and I just, yeah, again, I just, I don't know. I get too fidgety or, or what have you. Uh, God, if you guys, uh, anybody listening ever actually saw the video of Jimmy and I doing this podcast, you'd see me bouncing all, all over the place while we're, <laughs> while we're doing it. It's not, uh, it's not being bored or anything. It's just, that's, that's, that's my nature. But um, to the point where you talk about never sitting down during the, during the games, even which a game could be easily two hours, two and a half hours. Uh, there'll be times like as soon as the game is over and the adrenaline starts to starts to leave my body, all of a sudden my back will, will tighten up. Like there's no <laughs> like, and that's when it'll hit me. Like I really got to force myself, even between innings at some point, I got to force myself to sit down. And I just, I never, I just, I, I never do. It's, um, it's, it's, you, it's, it's not a bad habit, I guess, for me to have, other than physically it does take its toll. Oh, I, I actually like the idea that you're up all the time and, and you're moving around. But you know what? You know what's funny about that too is if I do sit down, my players know that I'm pissed off about something. <laughs> yeah. 
They <laughs> cross, they cross the line. Sitting, yeah, coach is sitting down. What we do? <laughs> oh God, we're going to be running tomorrow. <laughs> nice, nice. So, all right. Well, hey, um, you know what? Not all of our conversations have to wind up in a nice tight little bow of uh, you know us coming to conclusions and, and solutions because this is something that again I I know that I'm in the minority. But um, I, I'm sure that there's people out there that do it the same way that I do it. I'm sure there's more people that do it out there the way that you do it. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. So make sure, uh, do all those things, like, retweet, support the show, reach out to us, let us know your feelings on the topic. We'd love to hear it. We'll, maybe we'll, we'll read some of them off on the next show. You can get us on Twitter at, at the ctb clearing the basis ctb show at the ctb show on twitter uh shoot us an email clearing the bases at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you guys we'd love to answer we'll answer everybody that reaches out to us absolutely and uh keep following us and seeing what we're doing anything else you want to add here jimmy or we're, we're, we're good to wrap up just one other quick thing that i i wanted to put it put out there is that just remember that you know players they they tend to tense up under pressure in other words they, they feel pressure from playing the game right off the bat so that if the coach is putting more pressure on them from the dugout they're going to tend to tense up even more i believe that you want your players to be mentally tough but physically relaxed so they perform well and that's that's the reason why i take the the, the stance that i do on this they need to be relaxed. And a lot of times, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to extend this out too much longer, but I, I've had players come to me and say to me, you know what, coach, we miss, we miss playing for you because when we were out on the field with you, we were always relaxed. We had fun when we were on the field. We had no fear. So, and again, that's just giving a little background on why I feel the way I do. That makes sense. I get that. I get that point of view. I definitely do. And, uh, you know, just like everything else, you're entitled to your opinion, and uh, you're okay to be wrong every now and then. <laughs> so, all right. Again, I'm sure most people will uh, will come down on on your side of this, but uh, reach out. Well, not, necessarily. not necessarily. Not uh, necessarily. Yeah, I'm sure you know. I'm I'm sure you know what the the majority of of people at this level do, but um, that's okay. That's all right. This uh, world works best when we can have a cool, calm exchange of ideas and viewpoints and um you know maybe you open each other's eyes up a little bit as to like i said as, as long as there's in this whether it's in my personal life my business life or on the field um give me a reason you know give me a line of logic and uh and, and i'm open to listening to it at least and, and saying okay you know what I, I at least can understand why you're doing it i still may disagree with it but at least maybe i i maybe i take a step in that direction a little bit and uh you know, we keep refining what we're doing and, and hopefully we keep getting better just like we want our boys to get better. Yeah. So, all right. Well, again, uh, this has been the Clearing the Bases podcast. Uh, we, we love uh, interacting with all you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following. We really appreciate it. And I'll finish off as keep in mind, there's only two things in this world that we can control at all times. That's our effort and our attitude. Go into everything with a positive mental attitude, PMA, put 100% effort in, and good things will follow. Coach? I know we've said this, we say it almost every show, but I just can't help but 
let everybody know that we are so thankful for those of you that are listening. The the response has been incredible, and I, I we just can't thank you enough. This is this is really great, and I'll just leave you with: people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you on the next show.